Boston's what we do. Light them up, drink them down. Whiskey and cigars all around. Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Now that sounds like a party. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world famous Smoking and Toasting. My friends, we have made it to episode number 290. We are now officially seven eighths of the way to 300. To 300. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So that means really only, and, and I feel a little guilty about this because it means we're only 10 shows away from the 300th episode, and I've done no planning. <laughs> so we got to invite people. We got to, Sean, uh, we'll do this first with you. You're invited to the 300th show. Everyone who's ever been on the program is invited to the 300th show. Yeah, we don't want you it's to feel exclusive it. or anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, uh, if you but ever if walk by our show on the street, you're if invited. If it's now. anything like the 100th show, we didn't get to do a celebration for the 200th because, you know, lockdown. Uh, but if it's anything like the 100th show, um, you're gonna need an Uber. Epic. So, so yeah, it was. Yeah. It was about four and a half hours long, and everybody Ubered home. It yeah, was, everybody uh, showed up. Everybody brought. Yeah. Everybody brought fun stuff to taste. Yeah. Oh, we had such a good time. So, Sean Anger from Fox and Seeker is on with us today. Howdy, he has honey. a new spirit, which we're going to be talking about and tasting. And I'm really excited. Um, Keegan is on the wheels of steel today. Thank you, Keegan, for uh, engineering for us. We appreciate it. And of course, Adam is our uh, producer in the guy who will uh, try to do something to make all of us sound halfway intelligent uh, when he puts the show together. <laughs> intelligent. In yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So uh, the other, uh, let me address the elephant on my nose, uh, which is that I'm wearing glasses today. Nobody noticed but you. Nobody noticed but me. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, I feel like, I feel like they're so goofy, right? Uh, because I never wear them. Uh, the, the only time I ever wear glasses is when between the bathroom after I've taken my contacts out and the bedroom where I'm going to lay down and go to sleep, it's the only time I ever put my glasses on. Isn't it a weird perspective if you're not used to glasses? Oh, it is. Like, it so is. when I go back and forth from contacts to glasses, there's always like an hour's worth of perspective weirdness. Oh, yes, yes. And you know? and I had a full day of that. I'm getting some uh, eye surgery done, so uh, I can't wear my contacts for seven days, which is why I'm here in the glasses. But uh, I'm, yeah, the first day, it was like, so, sort of like the whole the world seemed curved in a different way than than I was used to. It was really really weird. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little strange. But little but strange. anyway, no I, no they look they look fine. They actually you you wear them comfortably. You see, look like you should have a pipe and a smoking jacket. Well, though. I, I I feel like I either look distinguished or like Nathan Lane, and I'm not sure which one is actually true. I but. did have to make sure I was in the right show yeah. when you showed up. I wasn't exactly <laughs> what sure. Is He's like, this is just some dude who wants my it? bourbon. <laughs> And and yes, you were right about that as well. Also true. So yes. So anyway, welcome to show number two hundred and ninety. Fox and Seeker has a new spirit. Uh, we'll be uh, doing some tasting and talking about that. We'll be talking about the best U.S. states for craft beer. There's a new map that's come out that maps things out. And I just glanced at it. I have a feeling you're not going to be real happy with it, Ian. Aww. So we'll 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 get to that. You um, tell me that Maryland is like number one. <laughs> Maryland does have some pretty good breweries, I will say. But uh, but yeah, 
Uh, I'm, we're going to take issue with it. I can just tell you that already. Uh, Texas Ale Project has a, a beer that we're going to be uh, sampling. In fact, the can is sitting there, Ian, if you want to show that to the uh, camera. Oh, man, this looks awesome. It is their Pantera Golden Ale. Texas Ale Project out of Dallas. And uh, uh, I, I don't think I knew that Pantera had, had their name on a beer. So this is very interesting. I think I've seen it, but I hadn't tried it. Yeah. So we'll we'll look. Or maybe I read about it. I can't remember. I've, I've seen the uh, I've seen the label before. And from Texas Leaguer Brewing in Missouri City, oh, yeah. Texas, uh, they're the ones that have the cans with like the base, the old timey looking baseball yeah, card, baseball players baseball on it. Baseball oriented. Yeah. Uh, we'll be tasting this can. Looks completely different, but it's still a baseball theme. We'll be tasting their IPA. They call Robot Umpires. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> so so that should be very interesting. And it's a very futuristic looking can. So it's a, a departure. From the art standpoint for them. And then uh, I know you're going to have a problem with this, Ian, but Firestone Walker's 2016 Velvet Merkin oh. Oatmeal Stout from... from uh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah I, I know you're just going to have to, you know, force it down. But You just uh, hand me the bottle. I'll take care okay. of it. I'll save you guys the trouble. Not a problem. Not a problem. And, of course, uh, uh, bourbon from Fox and Seeker. This is... This is a new thing yeah. because, and and I don't want to taste it just yet. I want to build a little anticipation. But this is a new thing because you guys have been doing gin and you've been doing vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, but is bourbon something you started a while back and it's just now coming to market, or is this a new uh, a new venture for you? Yeah, we're hundred percent grain to glass. So, and we're about a year and a half old. So, this is our first stab at bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started this late last spring. Okay. Uh, with down the bourbon trail. So um, this is an 11-month-aged bourbon grain-to-glass right here in Houston. Nice. I love it. Now, I, I don't know if I've asked you this, but what do you have a favorite spirit? Is it? Are you a gin guy? Or you know, you a- surprisingly, right now I'm on the desert spirit train. So Sotol, Mezcal, uh-huh. it, it's really got me hooked. Um, uh, yeah. But I do love all grain spirits. Um, I'm a huge fan of gin and whiskeys mm-hmm. um, just by default. But right mm-hmm. now, desert spirits have me hooked. Desert spirits. Yeah. I, I don't know that I actually have heard them referred to that way, but I like yeah. that. I just think agave spirits is how I would right. is how I would uh, mention them. But uh, but yeah, Sotol and uh, Mezcal are really on the rise mm-hmm. right now. And of course, tequila has been, you know, moving ahead out of control yeah, yeah, for, for a number of years. And uh, it's, it's it's very interesting. See, I'm I'm a tequila guy first, I think. But I also, man, I really like rum. Mm. And then I go to whiskey and vodka and, and gin. I'm a whiskey but, guy first. Yeah. But your gin, I have to say, and I've told a lot of people about this, I think your gin is some of the best for my palate that I've ever had. Ed, I'm glad you read that right off the notes I gave you. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, no, I really appreciate hey, that. Hey, listen, that's... I want to I want to take a bottle of this bourbon home, so yeah. I'm I'm going to say what I need to say. Yeah. No, I'm I'm kidding. No, but seriously, I, I I'm a little hesitant to take a big position on the very junipery uh, mm-hmm. kinds of of gin, and yours had some real good floral characteristics to it, but it didn't it didn't smell like the bushes in my back. My grandmother's backyard. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. But yeah, the base spirit really matters. Meaning what what you put your botanicals onto, and since we make it from scratch, and we mm-hmm. keep a lot of that green character in there, helps soften a lot of those. How is notes. The, I realize we're going to be talking bourbon today, but is the gin market one that's really cranking up as yeah. well from a spirit standpoint? Because it feels like I see a lot more gins on the shelf, like it's specs. Yeah, gin gin is on the upswing for sure. Um, but that said, it's a very small slice of the pie. It's only right. you know seven percent of spirits 
uh, right. sales or gin, mm-hmm. but it is growing um, rapidly. Up a lot. from six and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Some mathematicians say it's like a twenty percent increase. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, we doubled our uh, we doubled our market share. What was it? One percent. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, well, I got to tell you, uh, to, backing up what he said, like the uh, the Fox and Seeker, the 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 gin. And the vodka, I can't keep in my house because my wife loves to make mixed drinks, and that's that's the go-tos right there. Well, are... it was our first time to meet you was when we were doing the uh, smoking and toasting martini Mar- challenge. Martini challenge, yeah. yeah. And uh, you were making uh, you were making uh, martinis from gin and martinis from uh, vodka, or as Ian is going to now try to correct me, uh, what, what is it, a kangaroo? You were making or... martinis, and you were making. Vodka martinis. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Chris Morris was making them. Yes. He just used our. That's, oh, that's I, true. Well, they're, they're I have fair. tried to replicate what he did. And although I failed miserably. Although I have to just say, he's this. pretty amazing like yeah. that. Those olives that he made for the oh, martinis. Oh my gosh. Those are like my favorite uh, martini olives ever. He literally hand stuffed those before he came into the show. Those are. <laughs> Which, by the way, I'm going to tell you uh, about the olive secret I've discovered for martinis. I do make. Martinis, mostly vodka martinis, but occasionally gin. Olive at home too. Yeah, here's my olive secret. Are you ready? At I found these at Specs, and they're actually a Specs like house brand, but you can get them in the small jar, and they are um, uh, olives with like queen size olives with pimento, but they're in. Um, uh, uh, my, I hate when my brain goes blank. This happens more. Uh, they're in vermouth. Thank you. Oh, gotcha. uh, for ah. some reason, that word wouldn't come to my mind. So I have tried using vermouth in martinis before, and I, I was never really crazy about it. I think the problem was I was putting in too much uh, You just vermouth. bathe the glass and then pour it out right, right. usually. So by using an olive. Or a couple drips if you want it dirty. Yeah. By mm-hmm. using an olive that has been in vermouth, it adds the perfect amount of vermouth to the martini. Ah, does you that bitter to, the olive? Not at all. The olives really? are delicious. I, mm. I, I didn't know if I would like it. I actually bought the first jar of it by mistake. I didn't realize they were in vermouth. Mm. And I thought, well, let's try this. And now I not only look for that, but if they're out of it, I make my own by buying a bottle of vermouth and, and putting it in a jar yeah. and soaking the olives. And vermouth in. is one of those things, too, that once you open it, you can't keep it around too right, long. Because right. it'll it's, go bad it's a wine. pretty quick. It, Chris, Chris explained yeah. this to us, I think. It's a wine, and mm-hmm. it, uh, right, it, just like a bottle of wine isn't going to be good yeah, forever. Yeah. So what you can do is you can make your own, but you'll need to, uh, you know, keep it refrigerated. You'll need to, you know, do, not make your own vermouth, but make your own olives. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. How did I get off on this anyway? <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about is, vermouth today. We're talking here. We're talking about uh, a little bit of bourbon, and we're very excited to be talking about a little bit of bourbon. Uh, we will, of course, on the program, uh, be bringing you our regular feature, Drinking News. Our Drinking News uh, teaser headline for today, I will get to in a moment because Ian's just now <laughs> just unwrapping realized. his... Uh, we, got, we got to visiting, and I didn't even... Um, our uh, Drinking News teaser headline for today... On the road with all the comforts of home. I don't know if that's a good teaser or not, but I like the story. So. No, but you know what it makes me think of when I was uh, when I went camping with my uh, brew club last year. 
there was a guy at the end of the campsite. Uh, you know, there's certain campsites you can get with like a, that have a pole in the middle of it with some electricity on it. So yeah, you can yeah. A fan or whatever. Right, right. This, <laughs> this tent was set. Up. I got a picture on my phone. I'll have to pull it up. But this tent was set up. No lie, it had a table sitting outside one of the screen windows in the tent and an AC unit sitting nice. on it, <laughs> I love it. running, just blowing into just the blowing tent. into the tent. That's good. That's how I rough it. That, right. Yeah. yeah. My idea of my idea of roughing it is uh, room service doesn't come after midnight you know that's that's my idea of roughing it so um it cigars to watch for we got some to talk about today mm. because they just did the big convention yeah you know, the, uh, pca convention and so a lot of cigar makers unveil new things there and there's some very interesting stuff that'll be hitting the market so we'll tell you about some of those can't wait uh, uh we'll talk about the best states in the u.s for craft beer and we teased this last week but we didn't get to it beer made from toilet water Oh has boy. has started to win over admirers in Singapore. Mm. <laughs> That's wow. almost it's a very drinking news story. Isn't it's it? almost a drinking news story. It really is. <laughs> it really is. So uh, anyway, so a lot. Oh, and uh, Ian, I wonder if you wanted to. Maybe you missed out on a chance to bid on this, but uh, an Ardbeg cask from 1975 uh, just sold, and uh, you know, it's too bad you didn't get involved because it only went for 19 million dollars. Oh, is that oh. it? A nineteen seventy five. Unfortunately, I only have of eighteen of those yeah. to hang around. I don't have nineteen. <laughs> right. I want to know how much is left in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, fifty years. You know, if you if you buy something like that, right? And and let's say there's let's say there's plenty in it, right? But you've just paid nineteen million dollars for it. What are the occasions special enough for you? First of all, you'd have to have nineteen million dollars. But say you did. What would be the occasions that would be special enough that where you'd say? Today, we're going to tap the Ardbeg cask. Today, we're going to tap what I paid almost $20 million for I, I, and I, have I a glass. I have, I have no even remote idea, like no way of even I'd be like, processing yeah. that. I'd be like, hey, they've got Love Boat reruns on. Let's do some, let's do some Ardbeg. <laughs> you know, come up with anything. I mean, that's because, a $750,000 shot, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, but like, like that's one and a half fingers, right? But nobody is going to have <laughs> that many. Tip, right? Nobody's going to have that many ultra special occasions. And if you paid ninety million dollars for this cask, you're going to want to actually drink some of it, right? You know, and he dropped it. it in the pool. <laughs> let's hope not. Uh, so anyway, lots lots of good things to talk about. And uh, I'm anxious to get to the bourbon. I'm anxious to get to this Pantera Golden Ale. So why don't we take a break and we will uh, come back and start uh, digging into some of these things. I'm also anxious to tell you about some of these cigars to watch for because there's exciting stuff on the way. So hang with us. We are Smoking and Toasting, show number 290, and we will be right back. All right. Smoking and Toasting, this program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. Uh, my co-host is Ian Barry. Okay, Our crazy. special guest is Sean, Ang uh, Sean uh, Anger from Fox and Seeker. Uh, yeah. also and crazy. Uh, Keegan is behind the board. And uh, did you have a chance to smoke anything interesting this week? I did. As a matter of fact, I will talk about cigars. If you uh, reach down and get some cups to pour this beer I into, I will do I'm that. Done. Go for it. Uh, today, I walked into Casa de Monte Cristo. Said hi to Steve and uh, asked him what was new. I got pointed to a Tatuaje Tusla, spelled T U X T L A Tusla. 
Mexican word, something about cigars. Uh, so <laughs> now you've now uh, you've exhausted all my Spanish. <laughs> El, what is it? El Tusla? <laughs> Tusla. Which means the Tusla. <laughs> so uh so what they did is um they took they took a few of their um a few of their cigars, three of them to be exact, three different blends, and then they put a Mexican San Andreas wrapper on mm. instead of the normal wrapper. Right, right, the right. one I had was the 110, the T110, uh, I think it's called. Um, and, uh, yeah, the T110, sorry. Uh, it's, and uh, this was a... Uh, uh, well, so in this iteration, it's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler, the appearance on this milk chocolate brown uh, T110 band plus the Tustla band. Uh, it's, it's hard to remember to call it Tustla, even though it's T-U-X-T-L-A, because I keep want to say Tuxtla. It's mm -hmm. Tustla. It's Tustla. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, Tustla band. Smooth, leathery to the touch, oily wrapper, a uh, little toothiness to it, medium firmness overall. The uh, pretty light sniff on this, I got some barnyard, some earth, some coffee, leather, a <clears throat> little bit of raisin kind of sweetness to the to mm -hmm. the nose as well, especially at the foot of the cigar. Uh, the pretty light draw, I used a clip. It was effortless draw, completely effortless, which... It was so effortless, it almost made me worry that maybe this was going to um, burn too hot, burn yeah. a little too fast and a little yeah. too hot. But um, I did not have those issues at all. So just letting you know, the uh, pre-light draw on this, I got some brownie batter, some leather, coffee, uh, pepper, and some dark fruit kind of notes in there. Uh, the initial light on this, I don't have a song yet, but I definitely got the Nicaraguan pepper blast. The... Uh, <laughs> the Nicaraguan Pepper Blast, bold coffee, fresh cut cedar. The retro hail is peppery pepper and wood. Just so you know. Peppery pepper and peppery wood. Peppery pepper and wood. Uh, the first third of this, all aboard the pepper train. The pepper train runs on a combustible blend of aromatic cedar, spicy cinnamon, black pepper, dark roasted coffee bean, and hints of salt, raisin, and tangy leather. All these ingredients coalesce into a rich, dense smoke that lingers with a pleasant, salty, and sweet aftertaste. Retrohale is cedar, pepper, and coffee, and a nutty sweetness. Solid ash, good burn. The second third of this, first stop in Flavortown. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Black pepper and cinnamon settle, settle in like the underlying rumble of the engine. Noticeable and present yet in the background. Sweet nuttiness comes along for the ride with rich roasted coffee beans, tangy leather, and earth. This is where the first ash finally departs. Keep in mind, this is halfway through the cigar. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's not a huge cigar. This is a Petit Robusto at four and three-eighths by uh, 52. But yeah. that's still halfway through the cigar where the first ash departed. Uh, depart a ways. Um, ooh, where was I? I lost my place. Here we go. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the oh. retro hail is. Um, no, no. It was, it was, it was, it was, here you, we go. Salt, raisin, right. tangy leather, all these ingredients coalesce in a rich, dense smoke. The lingers, uh, and salty, sweet aftertaste. Retro hail is cedar, uh, pepper, and coffee, and a nutty sweetness. Solid ash for good burn. No, that was the wrong one. Here we go. This is you got to hear the, hear the first part of this. Okay, so notes of uh, dark fruit and salt ebb and flow on their way uh, on their own schedule. Uh, retro hail is cedar, pepper, coffee, and a sweet nuttiness, solid ash, great burn. The last third of this. This is the second stop on the uh, on the uh, train. Uh, this is in Cedar City with the consistent uh, hum of pepper and cinnamon in the background. The uh, cedar notes govern mm -hmm. here in Cedar City, uh, balanced by brownie batter, raisin like sweetness. Uh, with a hint of salt, the dry cedar is reminiscent of kind of a wood stove kind of uh, the mm. campfire rolls throughout the scenery. 
uh, retro hail is cedar, campfire, pepper, solid ash, grape, burn, last stop home. This is where the second ash finally departed the journey. This <laughs> this whole cigar smoked with two ashes. It got <laughs> off at the uh, next to the last station. It <laughs> was pretty awesome. Uh, so this thing smoked for an hour. It was wow. an incredibly small cigar that smoked incredibly long. Um, it smoked That's for an cool. hour. If you're a little bit faster smoking than me, you probably get 45 minutes out of it. But what a mm. great little smoke it was. Uh, price to quality. This is a $10 cigar at four at under five inches. Yeah. That's pretty pricey, but it was fantastic. I gave it a six. Oh, nice. So six on a price to quality. Definitely nice. hitting a little above the, the level on well, that. Well, it's especially nice to know that you rated it that high with it being as small a cigar as it is and that you got a full hour smoking time out of it. Yeah. Because it makes you think, okay, yeah, that's worth it then. Yeah. Because when I see prices like that for smaller cigars, I'm like, ah, I don't know. How long know? is it going to smoke? Right, yeah, that's right. Am I going to be it. done in a half an hour and mm -hmm. there goes 10 bucks, you know? So um, 10 bucks is be a little bit difficult to come by, you know? <laughs> especially, especially over and over again. Half hour these, time. That's, that's absolutely right. Did you write those yourself? That those, those flavor notes? Yes, you did. Yeah, that, yeah. No, the train analogy of anything to he's, do. With, uh, he's that's impressive. He's quite the poet. I just, I just, I don't know why I came up with that. I just he's went with the, it and thought, quite here's the a poet. theme. Let's go. I love it. Well, I had something interesting this week. Our buddy Alan Denny gave me this cigar. That guy. In fact, he gave me several of them. So shout out to Alan and the Galveston Island, Galveston Island Cigar Lounge. Um, there's something interesting happening with Blanco Cigars. Uh, the company is based in Seminole, Florida, and they use tobaccos that come primarily from Nicaragua and Honduras. Uh, they've recently begun a line of cigars called Heroes, a tribute to those that have sacrificed and paid the ultimate price in civil service, police, fire, EMS, for example, and uh, also the armed forces. Uh, I never smoked the American Legion cigar, but apparently there was some demand for that blend to return, and that is the basis for the particular blends in the Heroes line. So all the hero sizes are box-pressed uh, box torpedoes, mm -hmm. which brings us to the part that's a little odd. With the best of intentions, Blanco Cigars has added a secondary band to the torpedo on the head of the cigar that is cone-shaped, and you'll see this in the photos, cone-shaped blue band with white stars on it. It slips onto the head of the cigar, apparently intended to symbolize the folded U.S. flag that all heroes' families are presented with at the time that they're laid to rest. Like I said, best of intentions, but the fact is I didn't have any idea about the folded flag thing until I read it online. I just thought it kind of looked like a star-spangled dunce cap. It looks a little corny. Yeah, if it, you really, don't know it the really kind of does. It looks a yeah. little corny. And, and now I was going to totally make fun of it, and then I realized what it's supposed to represent. Wah, it's like, wah, wah. well, yeah, yeah, I don't really want to make fun of that. I hope, I hope it doesn't mean that I disrespected the troops. I actually had thought about bringing it in, taping it. It's about that big. Taping <laughs> it to the top of my uh, headphone bands like a little tiny dunce cap and uh, wear it while I gave my tasting notes. But I think that would probably be interpreted as uh, me disrespecting the flag. So I decided to stand down on that one. So Well, you know, so I saw those cigars. I didn't know that that's what that was supposed to be. And without that I knowledge, didn't either. We, it, well, it you, just looks corny. You and uh, Alan and I, all had, we had a conversation about yeah. that. And we were talking about how corny it was. None of us knew it was supposed to be they, a folded. They American should flag. probably put that. Or a little blurb about that on the cigar, or maybe the inside of the yes, band, yes. or something like yes. that. Yeah, because we even had the box, I think, at one point, and I don't recall seeing it on the box mm -hmm. either. So, 
Anyway, uh, let's get to the cigar itself. The wrapper is Nicaraguan Habano Rosado. The binder is from Honduras, and the filter, filler tobacco is from Honduras and Nicaragua. The pre-light sniff didn't reveal too much. Hay and fermented tobacco. Uh, the same for the cold draw, although I could just barely detect a little bit of toasted bread. Uh, I snipped the point with my cigar scissors and lit it up. Got a sort of a uh, mini version of the Nicaraguan pepper blast. Not a lot, but just enough to be noticed. It was a tiny bit harsh, but it mellowed out pretty quickly to just a pepper note that was very pleasant. First third of this was very interesting. The pepper stayed consistent, and there was a uh, note of bitter black coffee. You know that that like just pure coffee, not the roasted coffee bean smell, but just that pure bitter of like your first sip mm-hmm. of a cup of coffee. It was it was definitely that. Uh, along with some of the toasted bread note that I picked up on the pre-light, cedar worked its way into the flavor profile by the second third. Uh, I, I should have said we took a stop at Cedar Rapids, but uh, uh, <laughs> that would have been, you know, ripping you off. So You stopped uh, in Cedar Town, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, along with dried fruit, Cedar City. a more pronounced toastiness, uh, the bitter coffee note went away, but it was replaced by a slight saltiness on the lips that was actually rather pleasant. Final third got spicier, which I really liked. Almost a Habano pepper note. I also like the way the toasted bread continued throughout the cigar. Reasonably complex all the way through. It did get just a little harsh in the final third, uh, as if it was maybe burning a little too hot. And so let's talk about construction. Uh, torpedoes, I know, are a difficult shape to roll, mm-hmm. and uh, that showed a little bit in this particular cigar that I smoked. The burn was crooked and uneven enough that I felt the need to touch it up several times, which could have contributed to the harsh note that I mentioned uh, near the end. The cigar seemed to want to canoe at several points during the burn, which is you know how it kind of goes on a run right. on one side. Um, and I kept hitting the lighter to try and correct it. The ash was flaky but held on well, although I didn't press my luck too much. Uh, but there was lots of billowy smoke, actually, by the way. Overall... I enjoyed the Blanco above and beyond Heroes Classic. Uh, The burn problems were a little frustrating, but manageable. Maybe a few points get taken off for the occasional harshness, but otherwise a pretty enjoyable smoke. The cigar clocks in at between $9 and $10, and it's much bigger than the one that you uh, smoked in Mm -hmm. that same price range. I'm tempted to give it a 5 for the flavor. The flavors are really, really good. I mean, I don't need to compensate with a cigar, so okay, whatever. (laughs) Ultimately, I'd say... Uh, for me, price to quality on this is a week five. I wasn't disappointed, but I do think you could probably do a little better at that price point. Uh, still, I did enjoy it, and I look forward to smoking another one soon. Uh, I do have another one in the humidor. Maybe we'll see if the burn's a little better on that one. So uh, I'm hoping it, this was kind of a one-off right. thing. And for so, anybody who doesn't know our price to quality. Uh, I was just going to ask. Yeah, that. so the way it works, we it's a 1 to 10 scale. And not everybody knows uh, how we do this because it's a little different. But it's a 1 to 10 scale, and it's price to quality. So if you get a 5, you're getting exactly what you pay for. Right. And if you get below 5, maybe you paid a little more than what you feel like it was worth. If you get above 5, then it really punched kind of above its price right. class. So, so Ian giving his cigar a 6 at $10 mean, means that essentially if it had been $12, he would not have felt that he was getting ripped off or, right. or, or mm-hmm. that it was you know really seriously overpriced. On the other hand, uh, the more expensive a cigar is, 
the higher it is, the harder it is for it to get a rating of above five. Yeah. Because if it's a twenty dollars cigar, it needs to pay off that twenty dollars, right. uh, and it so it can get a five and be just absolutely outstanding. But it was yeah, it was this, twenty bucks. This price to quality that we've come up with has has kind of um, infiltrated all parts of my life to yeah. think oh, you're about doing, that. You're doing like, P to Q on everything, right? Yeah, like when I get this a whiskey. Is a, this is definitely when a I four. Get, <laughs> <laughs> when I buy stuff, I just look at the price versus what I, right, you know, right. versus how it's well It's like, it, what are your expectations oh, yeah. based on what you, uh, you know, what you, uh, what you spent for? And sometimes, you know, sometimes that's okay. If you go buy a tool at Harbor Freight, you know, you can use it once, but it was cheap. Right. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like those paintbrushes that aren't paintbrushes. Right. Yeah. And then, and, then, and then sometimes you're sitting at home and you've tapped your Ardbeg cask that you paid $19 million for, and the price to quality, man, that's going to have to be some good whiskey. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's going to have to be life changing. It's going to have to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to have to come in and clean your house afterwards. <laughs> uh, you know? Serious. Uh, but uh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about Pantera's Golden Ale. Ian, is there anything on the can you want to share with us? Uh, yes. Uh, Texas Ale Project on the side. It is 5.4% alcohol by volume. And right here, it clearly states, according to the Surgeon General, <laughs> women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Yeah, good so that is all the information that they Well, it does say through. Pantera in a big, bold logo on it. It does say Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> Surprised so. the music didn't come out when you opened it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's got the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the diamond plate metal in the background, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so it looks very industrial. And, and if, yeah, if, if that were in a, uh, in a music video, there would definitely be sparks. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> yeah, in yeah. a lot of like rock videos. Well, there's like, fire behind the Pantera. They're, they're in a they're in a warehouse somewhere, and they're making sparks. I don't know what they're making, but it's very sparky. Um, uh, what do you think of this? I think it's really delicious, actually. You know, the first sip I took a, a little sip, and it was a little flat on the tongue. But actually, when I took a bigger sip, it's it's not very carbonated, and I kind of like that. Now. I think what we've learned here is to take bigger sips. Yes, that's that's where I was going <laughs> with it. The, Take bigger sips. That's the. Uh, it's really the it's really pretty good actually. It's yeah, got a it is decent, not super carbonated, but it's it's very refreshing. It's got a decent time. multi uh, profile to it. It's got a little Christmas on the end, a slight. I say the crispness is what I pick up. Yeah, it's a very, slight bitter at the very end. That's kind of nice. Makes you mm -hmm. want another sip. So I was surprised when I found this that that it was a golden ale. I'm expecting it's Pantera. It's going to be big and bad, and it would be some kind of a. You know, a porter or a, a, a strong ale or, you know, something like that. But uh, I was a little surprised because golden ales can be, you know, lower ABV. They can be a little bit more gentle. But I think they struck a nice balance here. I really do. Oh, yeah. I, really I mean, do. I think if I think if, if you're going to do something like like way over. Like over the top, like a Pantera barley wine, you'd have to call yeah. it Psycho Holiday or something. <laughs> right. But isn't, isn't it funny? How, uh, maybe people just go against type. You know, Pandera, Pantera will do the uh, uh, the Golden Ale, and maybe like Michael Bublé will do uh, a barley wine. You know, or something. That'd be <laughs> great. Michael Bublé barley Michael wine. Bublé barley wine. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I think this is good. I recommend it. Actually, it's it's uh, it's pretty crisp and refreshing on the finish. Uh, but like Ian, nice. like Ian said, it's not too carbonated, which a lot of the lighter ales, golden ales, and, and some of the others can be very carbonated. And sometimes that's that works. What's the ABV cool. on this? 5.4. Oh. Yeah, so it's so just, sessionable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it drinks a little bigger than that. But it, it's it, like, it does, actually, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I'll tell you what drinks big. Uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. 
I was in Round Rock, Austin area, and I mm-hmm. stopped at Edelbert's. Mm. Edelbert's? Love Edelbert's. Yeah, Edelbert's, yeah. They had a barley wine on tap. Mm. I drank two. <laughs> <laughs> were there any were there any chunks? Good. Were there any chunks in the barley no, wine? No, it was not chunky, uh, but it was just sticky and delicious. Mm-hmm. And if you accidentally dripped it on a piece of wood and stuck another piece of wood to it, it would never come apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. It's like gorilla glue on the uh, gor- gorilla glue barley wine. Yeah. <laughs> it costs a little more than gorilla glue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it was but, fantastic, though. By the way, um, did I talk about this last week? Uh, Fuente, Arturo Fuente, they're breaking ground on a new factory in Nicaragua, which is going to be really interesting nice. because m- most Fuente cigars are primarily Dominican tobacco. So it's going to be really interesting seeing them step into the Nicaragua game, you know, because right now that's where, you know, so much of Rocky Patel's stuff is coming from and A.J. Fernandez right. and, and uh, so many other. I mean, Nicaragua has become the sort of go-to region for really flavorful. The, the uh, Nicaraguan uh, tobaccos, tobacco. though, uh, like when you think when you think of Honduran tobaccos, you get a certain flavor profile. It's mm-hmm. not the big spicy flavor profile. It's usually sweeter, it's an earthier, a little sweeter, earthier, yeah. a little more mm-hmm. uh, sometimes more campfire kind of things. Um, I, I, Nicaragua just has a nice blend of like it's uh, it usually starts off a little on the spicy side mm-hmm. but you also get some of that earthiness i mean right. they're right next to each other um uh, and then you also get some of the uh some of the bolder spicier kind of tobaccos as well that you know that's why the nicaraguan pepper blast is a thing you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well uh they announced their uh plans to build a uh, a grand factory in esteli about four and a half years ago and nearly to the day Four and a half years um, later, they broke ground. So uh, it has been many years in the works, and the whole construction and and uh, the project will be underway for some time. You know, Fuente is one of the largest producers of handmade cigars in the world, uh, but it's been making them all in the Dominican Republic since uh, 1980. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with them, you know, adventuring into, uh, I'm really excited about it because I love Fuente cigars, but I have a tendency to lean more towards the Nicaraguan flavor profile. So, right. uh, so it'll be, be interesting to watch and to see. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to get into this, uh, this Fox and Seeker family farm, uh, single barrel bourbon whiskey. And when I say get into it, I want to taste it. I like how you're getting into it a little early this yeah. show so we can drink yeah. it for the rest of the show. Uh, I think it's a wonderful idea, and we'll do that, and we'll be back at Smoking the Toast. Sounds like it should be used in the soundtrack to Only Murders in the Building, the Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez show. Are you watching that? Uh-uh. It is awesome. It's, it's on, good. I'll uh, check yeah, it out. It's on Hulu, and it's um, it's a murder mystery that it's not exactly a comedy, but it's funny, if that makes sense. Uh, it could, how could it not be funny with Steve Martin and Martin Short in right. it? Right. And but Martin Short really, hasn't been acting for years, right? right. Well, yeah, he's been doing stuff actually... He is coming to town with Steve Martin. They're doing like, like a comedy show together, oh. uh, which would be very interesting to see. I think it's out at uh, Sugarland at the uh, 
Smart Financial Center. But uh, no, I don't think he's been in any like major movies or anything in, in quite a while. But he and Steve Martin apparently are, are fast friends, and so they put this project together themselves. And it's uh, it's really quite good. It's one of those things that it's just way better than it has any business being. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice. and, and it's just really enjoyable. So uh, so watch it on Hulu. Um, and, and while I'm mentioning things to watch, if you're not watching The Old Man with Jeff Bridges, oh. It's amazing. I think it is when I'm when I'm one. kicking around on a TV and I'd be like, "What am I going to watch?" I'm going to text. Yeah, Drew's. just text me because I'll tell you the latest things that I've been you know that I've been totally loving, and those are those are the, my two big big favorites right now. Uh, the old man is Jeff Bridges' first uh, episodic television show, and it's on FX. I watch it on Hulu, but uh, it's it's really really good. He's just he's so badass in this thing, but he's so understated because he was and is and forever will be the dude, yes. you know? So, yeah. so, so it's just like, he, he's just, I, I like the kind of uh, shows where the hero is like really badass, but they do it in such a low key kind of way, you know? Mm. Now, now have you watched the uh, unbearable talent, uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent yes. yet? Yes. And I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely. Was that fantastic? I, I'm not a Nick Cage fan. I have not heard of that. I'm no. not a Nick Cage fan. So it's Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage. starring as Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Cage. Oh, this sounds and amazing. it is. Really yeah. It is. It really is worth your while. I feel like Absolutely. Television content is kind of like it's gotten so massive. Oh there, yeah. There's so like, well. There's remember, so like, many streaming outlets now. Yeah. And they all need content. You know. For a while it was just Netflix, and now there's like everything. You know? Right. It used to be what five, ten years ago is like right. Netflix, and there's like one or two that everybody's mm -hmm. watching. And everyone yeah. knows Netflix and now HBO. It's like, right. Owned right. all that. Right. And HBO still they're still doing great stuff. There's so many great yeah. shows on HBO. So uh, anyway, I mean, they uh, changed the way we watch TV. To big time. Totally did. Well, if you think about it. The real flagship of that change, it wasn't the first show like this, but the real flagship of that change was The Sopranos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Sopranos was the first one where people kind of said, okay, there's a higher caliber of entertainment show Deadwood than, was, than what they have on the network. Was that before Sopranos? Uh, was that it, leading up to Sopranos? I think it was right around the same time. Um, Deadwood was... That was another big one. That yeah. Everyone was well, it a, was definitely an early... Deadwood was definitely an early the one. The one that followed the aspiring actor. What is what is the... It's an HBO oh, show. Uh, um, uh, Entourage. Entourage. Yeah, yeah that, that was yeah. pretty big. See, that, that, I, I loved Entourage. I, you know, it, it kind of maybe didn't finish as strong as it started, mm -hmm. but that, that was a fun and funny show for a long time. Uh, so anyway, I don't know how we got off onto TV, but watch The Old Man. <laughs> watch Only Murders in the Building. You know, it's oh, real it's good. The song. What's Whiskey. That? Whiskey is a good thing. And uh, so let's talk about this. Did you plan to do whiskey all along? Or 100%. Was, oh, yeah. yeah. So this is this is part of the master plan for Fox and TV. Absolutely. Okay. And, it, you know, last year, when Ooh. last year being our first year in operation, when we're planning whiskey, we did four single barrels, to, and each barrel's teaching mm -hmm. us something. Right. And two of them I have today. The first two we dumped and bottled, um, and then the next two will probably be next year. We're going to let them go about... 18 months is or this so. one teaching you about vanilla and cinnamon <laughs> those are I'm, lessons I'm, I'm glad you picked up the vanilla this <laughs> is a vanilla caramel bomb right yeah, here yeah. yeah this one Ooh, oh, yeah, the caramel thing. in there too a little cinnamon on the back though yeah this is our our weeded mash bill so mm. this is um 65 corn uh 25 wheat and the balance of uh, blended barleys and all texas grown grains so we uh we mash ferment distilled and aged just under 11 months uh, this here, and is this and something that's on store shelves? 
It is only at the distillery. Only at the distillery. Because okay. we only have one fifty-three gallon barrel of this and of the next one that we're doing, so we can't properly support a full retail push. Sure, sure. Uh, but uh, onesies, twosies, as stores request them, we can get it to them. Certainly. So, is the idea though eventually to be able to roll it out Absolutely. at the retail level? Yeah. After these first four barrels, uh, we've we've already kind of narrowed in on what we're going to do for our formal whiskey pipeline which we're beginning at the end of this year. Um, so how close did, say, for instance, how close did this turn out to what you expected? Um, honestly, we are throwing spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> so we, we really you know, didn't know I heard, what to expect. I heard Trump does that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's that's very interesting. It's the first time I've been compared to Trump. I don't, think he, <laughs> I don't think he could come up with this, though. I really don't. Um, th- no, this is, this is so interesting because it's, Got such a forward kind of flavor. I mean, there's definitely stuff on the, uh, uh, you know, on mm-hmm. the aftertaste too. But but the flavor is very flavor forward to me. Yeah, you really get the corn and the uh, the caramel and the vanilla have a tendency to come more on the finish, mm-hmm. which is I think I think it's really good. And I yeah. just like I, I I'm hoping that what you kind of settle into is similar to this because this is. This is pretty rocking. Yeah, when, we, when I first bottled this, I struggled finding descriptors for it and and trying to figure out how to talk about it and mm-hmm. what are the characteristics. Invite of this. me over next time. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah. I have I have words. Yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. I need a train analogy and, for, for my for the yeah. wheat and, and write them down early on before he has too much of it because uh, <laughs> then make, they start becoming they make more sense. The first third <laughs> yeah, of the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. By the by the <laughs> end of the night, to Cedar City. By the end of the <laughs> night, he's like whiskey good. Hey, I did that sober. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what. You know, it's grain. It, it's got a little bit of grain yeah, you forwardness can, you can to it. You can pull the grain and flavors out of there for sure. Part of that's the age, and that's part of part of that is why we call it family farm is is because we wanted to keep the sense of place in the whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, which is the grain. We didn't want it to be an oak bomb, uh, but the vanillas and the caramels are all imparted by the oak. But the uh, the reason I struggled building descriptors around this is because it drinks closer to. I'm, I'm careful when I say this, but drinks closer to the scotch category in the sense mm-hmm. that there's more grain character to it than you typically find in the bourbon category. Right. So by definition, this is a bourbon, but it drinks a little more grain heavy than most bourbons on, on so the market. So it drinks a little more like a scotch. I, I agree. It uh, lends a little bit of sweetness up front mm-hmm. that, that you get with some of the uh, uh, like the Highland scotches and those kind of things, if, if that's what you were uh, referring to. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's interesting. There's a little bit of heat that comes back after it, um, not in an unpleasant way, but definitely present. It lets you know that you uh, that you just had whiskey. It's at 47, so it's a little overproof too. So it's nice. Yeah, it's a 95 proof. Um, the 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 next one that we'll taste is at barrel proof, which is a 110, just north of 110. Oh, nice. 95 we found was a good balance for this one. Um, Mm-hmm. It was a little tight at barrel proof, uh, and and whenever it gets uh, proofed down, the vanilla and caramel became a little more subdued. We found it was balanced well. How does this do with a little bit of water? Uh, it it kind of mellows out the vanillas and caramels a little bit. <clears throat> um, it, it's great with an ice cube. It's just kind of a good daily drinker, um, and just you know just kind of mellows out uh, with a little bit of water. What are you uh, selling these for at the distillery? This is thirty nine ninety nine. See, that's. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. So you the label, me? I liked it. Uh, yeah. In in 
in line with the uh, label you have, but with the black in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the yeah, we still kept the, the Fox and Seeker uh, present on there. It, it aligns with our other branding pretty well. Um, and we have some cool stuff queued up for when we when we do put this into full distribution, mm-hmm. you know, a year, year and a half down the road. Uh, we have some pretty slick looking labels prepared nice. for that. Well, uh, I don't know if we asked you this the first time we had you on. Where did the name come from, Fox and Seeker? Um, so the short answer, uh, we know our strengths and we know our weaknesses. So we hired a company to help us come up with a name. Oh, okay. But the story behind it is um, Fox being tied to nature and our ingredients mm-hmm. um, and knowing where all of our raw materials come from is really important to us. And then the Seeker is always innovating, doing things a little bit differently, um, really kind of trying to use the status quo as our start line. Okay. Um, and we have family ties to both of those. The co-founder is a direct descendant of Daniel Boone. Uh, so mm. very closely tied to nature and exploring. You and, know, he was a man. I, he was yeah. a big man. <laughs> and, That's a song. Uh, oh, oh I, I did not. Daniel, Daniel went Boone right over my head. From... I'm glad you caught that. As it went over. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you <laughs> with that one. He, he was looking at me like, what the hell are you so trying to you, say? You actually um, skipped over a step that a lot of distilleries do where um instead of immediately having a whiskey available by sourcing and then blending your own thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then putting your label on it until you have your own things ready you just you just buy your put time barrel and and and, wait. and put out yeah. something young that is still really delicious yeah we uh we're really passionate about grain to glass um, and that's really what we wanted to build the Fox and Seeker name yeah. around. And it, it really kind of, um, you know, your, your branding people did a good job because it's kind of communicated that way through the label and through how it all looks and through what you've talked about uh, with your brands. It's like this makes a lot of sense that this is a, you know, grain to table uh, product. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really it really does. And, and that's there's a certain um, inferred quality when you do it that way. When you say that something is, you know, grain to glass or grain to table or, or farm to table, th- the implication is this hasn't gone through a lot of processing. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, pure. It's very organic. It's very craft. Yeah, and, and and there's a strong business case, and I have nothing against the practice of, of sourcing aged whiskey or from from mm-hmm, other producers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of phenomenal whiskey out there that yeah. uh, craft distilleries will will purchase and add value in very unique and cool ways. We have nothing against that practice. It's just But that's that, not grain to glass. That's and not that's, what that's we're really passionate yeah. about. So uh we we decided to launch with clear spirits and do those grain to glass and keep the bills paid until we could get our whiskey out there and get a full lineup uh of spirits. Yeah, that's to the market. that's a long term uh a project. Mm-hmm. What made so. you decide to get into distilling? Was it was it Something you'd always loved and were interested in was it previous experience that you had before opening your own distillery? What, where did the idea come from for you? So I homebrewed a lot in Houston. Homebrewed, mm-hmm. I brewed all my own beer for a while, and and the co-founder was really into spirits, whiskeys, gins, that sort of thing. I think the the underlying passion for both of us is the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you put a cocktail or or you know whiskey between people around the table. There's yep. a lot of community that's that's formed in in, yeah. in that environment, and that's really the underlying passion. So, we saw, you know, early on we saw an opportunity because there's so many barriers to entry to get in this industry. Um, it took us three three and a half years from the idea 
um, to the day where we actually had, you know, lease documents on the table. Was that scary for you? Like, what did you leave behind occupation wise to do this? Yeah, I was um, I was in in a good career path in oil and energy. And um, yeah, yeah, kind of left that behind and went full time after this in August 2020. (laughs) It's it's, uh, you know, it's scarier leading up to it than it is after you make the decision. Once you're actually doing it. Yep. Yeah, I yeah, agree it, with that. There's so much buildup and anticipation around the decision that once you're on the other side, it's, you know. But it, it does take you a little bit to even have a product to sell, mm-hmm. you know, and have any revenue coming in from it. So Yeah, because uh, our first batch, uh, I, I left my job August 2020. Our first batch didn't go to market. Um, and this was just a distillery. We didn't have distribution, but mm-hmm. it was end of November right. uh, before we had any revenue coming in. Other than a T-shirt here and there, that, that's, so uh, that's, that had to be really exciting. March when you sold to November, your first bottle, no yeah. income. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, that that winter was really exciting for us because, and it was perfect timing. We didn't necessarily plan it that way, but yeah, Thanksgiving and Christmas, which Q four is, it yep. is the quarter for it this is industry. The spirits time, it's, so it definitely um, is. Yeah, it was, it was very. Uh, it was very humbling to walk through that season, get our first bottles out to the Love market. It. All right, we're going to keep sipping on this while we take a break. We will be back. We have another beer to try. This is the uh, Robotic IPA, I think. What, what, what did I call it? Um, oh, yes, it's the Robot Umpires IPA from Texas Leaguer. We have that to try, and, of course, more bourbon. And Drinking News is on the way. Stand by. Stay where you are. It's Smoking Toasting. Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. We are. I, I'm. <laughs> we are on show number two ninety, and I'm already. I'm sitting here getting all riled up, look, because I'm looking at the map of the best states for beer lovers. Are, are we going ranked, into that now? And we are going into that. So, Ian, maybe you should pour us something to drink. This is from a website called Fatherly.com. Uh, I, I'm not sure what fatherly is, but they apparently have... Uh, uh, that just sounds like it has two E's on the end. <laughs> oh, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> does it? Because does, <laughs> I feel like it... Yeah. So they've, they've got this map of the United States of America, uh, and it's like... I think, I think, honestly, the map may have come from VinePair, which I usually have a great deal of respect for. VinePair is actually a very good website, but if this came from VinePair, I'm going to have to re... Evaluate my thinking. <laughs> evaluate um, your thinking uh, of yeah. Uh, so the idea was they took every state in the U.S., all 50 states, and they ranked them as to how good they are for beer lovers. So let me just give you the top three. And I think, by the way, the top three are all pretty good beer states. So it's not like they were way off. But um, their number three was Oregon. There are a lot of great craft breweries in Oregon. We mm-hmm. we can agree with that. Colorado was number two. Hard to argue with that. Colorado's being been there since the beginning. Very high of it, on buddy. the list, right? Breckenridge yep. and all that. And then Vermont was number one. I, now I live in. I, I said. I said. Oh, tell me it's not Maryland, right? Yeah. I wasn't far. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Were, so, so I lived in Massachusetts for seven years. I lived in Boston. So Vermont's just a stone's throw away. I've been to Vermont. Magic Hat Brewery was in Vermont. Yeah. Uh, the um, Harpoon Company has a second brewery in Vermont. So it's not like there's not good breweries there. But I don't think of Vermont the same way I think of Colorado or, quite frankly, mm-hmm. even California in terms of, of 
craft breweries. Can't you fit Vermont inside like the 610 loop here? Uh, yes, you can, as a matter of fact. Uh, so they actually, I think that's Rhode Island, but Vermont's not much bigger. Oh, sorry, uh, Beltway 8. So, according to the article, they say Vermont scores number one because the state has super low excise taxes on beer. So, okay, I, I'll, I'll grant you that. But it has uh, high numbers for overall craft breweries and craft barrels. Vermont is not, like you said, it's not a big state. One of the interesting things I'll tell you about, because you know how alcohol laws are different uh, everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I remember from Vermont, and I hope I get this right, if you go to the bar and order, let's say, a shot and a beer, they will open the beer and set it on the counter in front of the bartender, and then they'll pour the shot and hand you the shot. They cannot hand you both of those items at oh. the same time. Do you, do you have to take a sip of your whiskey and then hand it back and then get your beer? Exactly, and exactly. So you literally yeah. have so, to. So if you're like me, like I don't really do shots. I just, I I just sip them. Sip or yeah, you... right. So so that's a real big problem uh, with Vermont drinking. Wow. Because you got to constantly give it back to the bartender if you want to then take a sip of your beer and then you give it back and you take back your you know tequila or whiskey or whatever. It's amazing over the 90 years since Prohibition has been repealed. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how states have found ways to regulate differently. My, my favorite. You know what would be a great law? Let's make sure that he can't hold two drinks at the same time. Exactly. It makes no sense. My favorite one, though, is a Massachusetts state law. And I believe this may have finally been taken off the books. But when I lived there, which was back in the 90s and early 2000s, um, you couldn't buy uh, liquor or even wine or beer at your grocery store. You had to go to a, I used to go to Cappy's, which a lot like a specs, uh, a wine, beer, and spirit store, right? Mm -hmm. And you had to go there and you would buy it there. And those stores were open six days a week. They closed them on Sunday because that's the Lord's Day. Except during the months of November and December, <laughs> when they were allowed to stay open, on Sundays, God's because God's like, all right, we're gonna let this one slide. Let's yeah. get a party a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, you might make more taxes. It's only what I don't oh, know. It's his birthday. On it's only, yeah. It's the camp. holy season, right? You know, so, uh, yeah. but what what was happening <laughs> was people were driving across the border to New Hampshire. Oh yeah, they were, and buying their beer and their wine and their spirits and bringing it back. Some home New on Sundays. Hampshire lobbyists put yeah. that long yeah, place in totally, Massachusetts. Totally. So anyway, uh, but that, <laughs> it, it is uh, it is what it is. So Vermont number one, Colorado number two. Oregon number three. Let's go to the bottom of the list now. Uh, 51 are on the list, so they must have included Puerto Rico, I guess. Um, but 51 is Mississippi, ranked last overall because of how few craft breweries the state has per capita, plus it produces the fewest barrels per capita. Alabama uh, fell uh, very low on the list for craft breweries per capita, and Arkansas, because the state has really low per capita numbers for craft breweries. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with anything there, except maybe Vermont. I don't know if it should have been number one, right? Because I mean, here's a question. How many breweries does Vermont have? Um, I don't, a great question. I don't know the answer. but like, Can they be a great craft beer like state if they have... It says, you know, it, it says they have a tenth of the amount of breweries that, say, for instance, Colorado has. Well, it, it says they have high numbers for overall craft breweries and craft barrels. So hmm. I bet it's a per capita thing uh, because there's not that many people that live there. And by the way, all of them drive Subarus. 
if if you are driving through Vermont yes. and then you're not driving a Subaru, they know you were a tourist. <laughs> I lived in Massachusetts. You're not from around here, yeah, are you? For a year. Yeah. I lived in Worcester. 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 Yeah, Worcester. And went up to Vermont uh, for a weekend trip and saw some of the strangest driving oh, yeah. habits I've ever seen. One one <laughs> thing sure. we saw, uh, a motorcycle, I don't know what kind, but a guy driving a motorcycle with his dog on the back. Like sitting, just chilling, <laughs> just sitting like, on the motorcycle. Yeah, seat? not not like strapped in or just hanging out, <laughs> driving right down two lane highway, no problem. I love it. It, well, it was wild. That's your number one state for craft beer. Um, the biggest problem I have with this thing, they've got uh, California as number four. I think that's you know that's probably California is going to be high on the list. California's mm-hmm. got a lot of great yeah, breweries. They really do. The Florida and only... all of them cause cancer in lab animals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Florida only comes in at number twenty-eight, which I think is way too low. That's now, halfway. Florida's down, got it's halfway great... down the list. Florida's mm-hmm. got great. Yeah, I great just list. saw an article that um, uh, Cigar City Brewing was uh, voted the number one craft brewery in Florida. Uh, uh, but they got Cigar City. They got oh, there's so much great craft yeah. stuff coming out of Florida now. So I thought that was wrong. Um, they say Maine is number seven, Massachusetts is number six. Oh, uh, it wasn't Puerto Rico, by the way. DC is on the list, and they list DC uh, as number 45. Um, but here's the big problem that I have Texas comes in at 31. How does that even happen? How does that even happen? You take the craft breweries that are in Houston, which we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. are under are underrated, and there are there are over sixty craft breweries in the greater Houston area right now. Then you add in Austin, and, and by the way, about fifty of them are fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you add in Austin, which has been trailblazing for uh, craft breweries, Austin in the greater Austin area for a um, long time. Sellis. Yeah, Adelberts, Chester King, yeah, five one two. There's so Jeez. many great breweries in the greater Austin area, uh, and then you add Dallas Fort Worth, like uh, I, Sons. I, I used to, you know, I used to poke a little fun at Dallas because there is a Dallas Houston thing, but the reality is Martin House, Martin mm-hmm. House, you know, uh, Rar and Sons up, that you yeah. mentioned. There's so many great breweries coming out of that. Deep Ellum is a great brewery yeah. in Dallas, so. I just don't understand well, why we have Texas quality over quantity. Maybe that's what it is. Ingenious. We got some crazy brewers around here. Uh, but, but according to these people, Texas is only one ahead of Nebraska. Hmm. You know, Nebraska's only got like one area that breweries, right. don't they? I think that's right. Yeah, they got one area of the state that actually has breweries slash distilleries, as far as I understand. They show Iowa. Ahead of Texas, they show Missouri ahead of Texas. All right, stop, stop. And I'm wow. sorry, Anheuser Busch doesn't count. We are about to start <laughs> a new um, section, a new segment of this show. Yeah, it's going to be called "Why Texas Is Awesome." Okay, and it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. Maybe, maybe during our second segment, since uh, since drinking news takes up the latest. But Texas is awesome because. Okay. We'll have some because we have the best breweries because Texas because because Texas yeah um, yeah I, I was just uh, overall I was a little, I mean some of this makes sense but Alaska comes in at 16th really I bet you there it, are I I will admit there's some great breweries in Alaska yeah but only I'm only aware of a couple if you were to take that list not to get political but I yeah. bet you the top 25 are largely blue states and the bottom 25 are largely red states well that's interesting and that gets down to i hadn't thought of it that way that gets but down to regulation 
Well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you, I don't. I don't know anything about fathery. We have, well, we're Vermont gonna have to take, is definitely blue, and they're number one. We're gonna have to Colorado, take. We're gonna blue. have to take fathery into account. Like, what is fathery all about? That's the website. We have fathery fatherly dot oh, fatherly, not fathery. Yeah. Mm. Let me just see if I can go to their homepage and see what Father. it does. It shows me a little. Uh, okay, so it looks like it's some sort of like online magazine, based um, in Vermont. Uh, well, the uh, the first article I see here is, here are eight of the best mustache styles around. I'm not kidding. All right, all right. Starting off solid. Why am I gaining weight? Science explains summer fat. What to um, make... What eat less. To, yeah. That's kind of how that works. <laughs> okay, here's where, I, here's where I check out. Under parenting, it says, how to tell the difference between baby spit up and vomit. I'm not kidding you. I'm not making that up. That's what it says on the website right here. Wow. Well, I guess if it's fatherly, I guess it's maybe advice for fathers, right? Yeah, plays in the name. Yeah. Yeah. Dad bods. Uh, All right. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to veto this list right now. Okay. <laughs> I accept your veto and I second it. And I and I lift you a glass of this IPA. I call BS on fatherly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you may be right. So I lift and you it's a, not just because I think Texas is awesome. I think that. Like judging from their list, like Vermont being the top three, one of the top three states for beer. How many Vermont beers have you had recently versus I don't know beers from Colorado? Exactly, uh, that, that's my point or, exactly or, about Vermont. Or, or from listen, New York. Listen, Magic or Hat. From, Magic Hat is a great brewery. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they were innovative very early on in the number craft nine. Scene. Magic yeah. Hat number nine. No one's ever made another beer quite mm -hmm. like that. It's just it's just amazing. And I didn't mean to diss you guys on the. Uh, on the toast here, so toast oh, to you guys. Uh, uh, toast, to, toast to you. <laughs> toast and to talk you. to me oh. about this uh, IPA because you've already you've already sampled. Oh, a I've been bit. sampling it. Yeah, what do you, it's, what do you it's think? It's quite of good, this? actually. Uh, so this is so this is a. Uh, they use some really unusual hops in this. So this, yeah, it says. I'm um, just going to say that. The Nelson and Citra hops are stuff we've had before. I've never heard of uh, Moteka, Motuka, M O T E U K A. And then a character in the Black Panther? I'm not sure. Okay, something like that. The the artwork is fantastic, though. The yeah, yeah, it really is. is. It's very yeah. simple, but it's very fantastic. Uh, robot umpires. I really dig it. I really dig it. <laughs> Texas uh, Leaguer, 16 fluid ounces, cold IPA, 7% alcohol by <clears throat> volume. So what's interesting about this, uh, this can design is that it's the first one I've seen from Texas Leaguer that doesn't have an old-timey look to it mm -hmm. right this is, this is very, this is very digital but it does have a baseball yeah it does and a baseball shoe and a baseball hat and a baseball robot umpire and a baseball robot umpire mm. with the switches on it i'm stuff. for it yeah it's actually great. real good it's a it's a, it's a good kind of um middle of the road is not the right words for it but uh it's it's kind of a a good average of IPA. It's got right. it's a lot up too, front. It's not, not too, too hoppy, hazy. ridiculous. It's not too hoppy. It's not too. It's got a little dank. It's got a little of everything. It's 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 kind of just running that gray line of. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of good. Yeah, it, I I almost get a, on the nose a little bit of sourness, mm. but it it doesn't drink like it. It no, it, it doesn't. Drink it like drinks it. lighter than the <clears throat> than the five percent Pantera. Than the Pantera beer, yeah. yeah. Right, and it's a little bigger even that. The nose is really good on it, though. The nose has a little bit of stank to it, but uh, in a good way. And then it's got kind of just a little bit of, like, bready kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. There is it. definitely a breadiness to it. No question about that. No question about that. Um, so while we enjoy this, beer. while we enjoy this, let me just run down a few uh, cigars to watch for. 
Because some of this stuff is pretty exciting. Do they come from Vermont? <laughs> I don't think so. Unless Vermont is in uh, Nicaragua or Honduras. Fatherly's new so. list of cigars. <laughs> so speaking of fatherly, let's talk my father's cigars. This year would have been the 100th anniversary of Jose Garcia Alion, the father to Pepin Garcia oh, yeah. and grandfather to uh, Jaime Garcia of my father cigars. So to honor that birthday, the company released the uh, My Father Le Bijou 1922 100 Años Limited Edition in two sizes, Corona Extra and a Corona Especial. Uh, the Especial is round. The Extra is a soft box pressing. Both of these cigars topped off with pigtail caps, and both will retail for $13 each. It, the reason I bring it up is because this blend is a little different from the core of my father, Le Bijou line. I like uh, the Bijou. All of the tobacco is grown in Nicaragua by the Garcia family, namely near their San Rafael and San Jose farms. The wrappers on the cigars are very dark, uh, and they're only making 1,922 boxes of each size with 22 in each box. So uh, something to look out for. Uh, Illusione cigars. Now I know you're you're a fan of the Illusione. You brand. still have some of that whiskey left. Um, there's some of it. There's none of it left in my. Oh well, All right. well we can fix this. After right? you've sipped, I, I, I want you to get back to this in a second. Okay. After you've sipped your uh, IPA, yeah. Should I have a little more IPA too? Because I'm out of that. Yes, we'll pass it along. Well, thank you. You might want to try this as well. Okay. While you're doing that, let me tell you about uh, Illusione. Uh, a, a brand owner, Don Giotto, is branching out and having his newest brand made by some guy in Nicaragua named AJ Fernandez. <laughs> uh, and, that guy is uh, on fire, yeah, man. Uh, he, uh, uh, Don uh, Giotto, has been intrigued. By the Nicaraguan Habano seed wrapper that AJ is growing, and he decided to create a brand that showcases that cover leaf, and it's called the Illusione Habano, and it will be all Nicaraguan tobacco grown by AJ Fernandez. Uh, so looking forward to that. All right, you guys are all whispering right. about the uh, sip the your uh, sip your beer first. Okay, going for a little of this IPA, and then take a sip of this whiskey. This now it's still this it, isn't a Malort thing, is it? No, no, it still has all the flavors you had before. But I'm going to tell you two words: bubble gum. Yeah. Wow. No kidding. That's wild. <laughs> like crazy, isn't it? Just because maybe of the citrus in the uh, I don't know in the beer. I don't it, know. This this goes beyond anything I know how to describe. But yeah, it, that's wild. The way. And well, I guess there's gum. some sweetness in the whiskey that counters well, the bitterness of the beer, and, and, and not just bubble gum, but tops baseball card. Bubble yeah, gum like with the chalky with white the stuff, chalky on, white it, stuff yes. on it, that that kind of breaks off in chunks until you chew it into a gum-like. That's actually it, a really, really good pairing right there. And mm -hmm. if you're in Vermont, you can only do this one at a time. Right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> so I'm going to move. Yeah. To Sorry, Vermont. I'm going to invent something for bartenders in Vermont. It's just going to have like. A drink holder on one end, and then a pivot in the middle, and drink holder on this end. <laughs> like a lazy season. And that way, yeah, you can <laughs> just spin it around, take your sip, spin it around, take your sip. <laughs> Love it. You know, it also <laughs> makes it really difficult if you've gone to the bar to bring back drinks for everybody at your table. You got to do it one it's at a time. Onesie, 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 onesie. Oh, God. Yeah. And honestly, the bartender will stand there and hold your next drink for you while you drink your current. So, okay, so, you know... Like, as a consumer, we would complain about that. Can you imagine mm -hmm. how incredibly 
annoying that is for the bartender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because instead of making the next drink for the mm -hmm. next guy, they got to be standing there holding your beer. Yeah, oh, and they're yeah. doing it with a hilarious accent the whole time. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> there is that. There's a new blender in the uh, Gomez family at La Flor Dominicana. 22-year-old Lito Gomez Jr., oh. who works at LaFleur with his father, Lito, brother Tony, and mother Inez, has uh, showed his first cigar blend at the trade show. The first one, he's like 22 years old, and he's come up with his first cigar awesome. blend. Awesome. Wow. Which I think is really super That's cool. Uh, it's the LaFleur Dominicana Solis. It's a one-size brand made with an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Ecuadorian binder, and a mixture of Dominican tobaccos from the LaFleur farm in uh, La Canela. Uh, it is going to be very interesting uh, to see what this is like. Uh, Solis comes from the Latin word for sun, and it's intended to contrast with Tony Gomez's project, La Nox, which has images of the moon. Right, right. right. So uh, he says, I was inspired by my big brother's project, La Nox, and I wanted to, and I wanted to create something that contrasted it. Spoken like Lenox the little brother. Lenox is good. Those Spoken are... like the little brother, though, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you do the moon. I'm going to do the sun. Uh, look, yeah. that, we'll that, that guy's wins. 22 years old starting yeah. this journey. I totally want to buy that just to, like, support that. Oh uh, Yeah, I know. Just how cool that is, right? Like, when I was 22 years old, I was not that smart. <laughs> and Oliva has brought back the Cuba Aliados brand after purchasing the rights to this trademark from the Reyes family, who were the uh, Puros Indios mm -hmm. uh, cigar family. Uh, after purchasing the rights from them last year, Oliva contracted two third-party manufacturers to make these new versions of Cuba Aliados, JRE Tobacco and EP Carrillo. Nice. So very cool. The uh, Cuba Aliados original brand will be a regular production brand made in Honduras by JRE. And the father that's, of course, the father and son team of Julio, Arroya, and uh, yeah. uh, uh, his his uh, son, and Husto. Uh, Husto. And all the tobacco here is Honduran, comes in five sizes, packed in boxes of 20, and retail prices will range from 10 to $12 each. The limited edition comes in the same five sizes and is made in the Dominican public by Ernesto Perez Carrillo. Uh, they are rolled with Ecuadorian Sumatra wrappers, Nicaraguan binders, and fillers from Nicaragua and the DR. So, Interesting stuff from Oliva and how they're nice. branching yeah. out and working with other uh, other blenders, other uh, cigar makers. Is Oliva has, really uh, has a been historically a little bit, uh, the word's not insulated. Insulated, yeah. They haven't been uh, really uh, fast about branching out to a bunch of different right. things. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see uh, A.G. Fernandez do an Oliva blend. Ooh. I'd love to see AJ do any. Blend, I mean, AJ frankly. is so on fire for the yeah. last few years now. Everything he puts his hands on, he's like, he's like Dave Grohl was, like just everything he touched just turned into gold. Yep, absolutely. And uh, and he's that for the cigar industry right now. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to see uh, like a little fresh thing coming from uh, Oliva. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. So, um, question on tobacco: Is there like centralized farms, or are these all like? Family-owned farms all over the world that uh, are, yeah, uh, uh, that really, these blenders mostly, extract right, from, like how, most, mostly the latter, because this is where the craft uh, part of yeah. this really comes in. So uh, the big companies have bought up a lot of the smaller cigar companies, but the tobacco still has a tendency to be from a come from a very organic place. We were invited to Honduras uh, a couple of years ago to the uh, Jerry and uh, uh, Aladino farms yeah. and uh, and we got to see how it all goes down from seed mm -hmm. to harvested plant 
to rolled cigar, all of that, and all to the aged stuff that go, tobacco, aged tobacco, like everything. All of that. Yeah, it was and crazy. It's, it's amazing what we learned uh, just being there to see it and how many steps there are to the process. But this is still a very organic, a farmer out in his field, testing the soil, tending the soil, pruning the tobacco leaves, certain leaves on the plant doing certain different things depending on how much exposure they have to the sun. And that part of it has not become big and corporate. I love so Ilyasion is a tobacco company. They put out a cigar a few years back called 300 Monos. And right. uh, they put that out as a tribute to that's uh, that's what they uh, estimate the amount of hands uh, the tobacco goes through before it mm. becomes a cigar that you pick up in, the, in the shop. Mm -hmm. That's super yeah. cool. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And you see a lot of that in distilling as well, right? Where you've got, you know, even some of the mom and pop farmers that are growing the, the grains. You see it in... in uh, 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 beer production with hops and and malt and barley, so it's it's really interesting to me that, yeah, that that hasn't become a big corporatized, you know, like like look at for example the chicken industry. It's all big right. companies mm -hmm. now. It's not local farmers raising chickens and and taking them down to market. It's Purdue and it's you know the big yep. uh, the big chicken companies. But from from a grain to glass and a tobacco field to cigar uh, yep. experience it really has remained highly organic and that's Seed part of what makes cigar it cool. yeah and just Seed hearing you cigar. guys talk about it that's kind of what hit me is like it, it, this is still you know rooted in just yeah and yeah in very small it's, you know plots of land around the world it's kind of like, like it's kind of like the difference between that just cool organic band that you go to see because they really are expressing the you know the things that are going on in their lives through their music and you know going to see a corporate rock or pop act it's not that one is good and one is bad mm -hmm. but what the experience is is very different yeah mm -hmm. you know and and there's nothing wrong with the big tobacco companies and quite frankly there's there's nothing wrong with um with the mega breweries uh, with with the mega beers except for the fact that they have a tendency to work so hard to appeal to the masses that the product they make is not as good. It's kind of like the difference between Ikea furniture and uh, a really cool little funky furniture well, store. Buying something from Mattress Mac. Right, exactly. exactly. I mean, there's also a difference in price. Well, there is. You know, and, and that's and, also why when you go buy a six-pack of Budweiser, it's $7. Right. And you go buy any craft beer, it's ten dollars. Right, you know? exactly. And and there's a reason for that. But you know, again, what what we feel like people have begun to learn is that there are certain things that are worth paying a little more for. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I I I have to tell you this, Ian. I was at Papacitos down by uh, my house uh, last night. Took took my lovely wife out for. Some fajitas because she loves the fajitas at Papacitos. Yeah. Papacitos fajitas and, are pretty rocking. And I'm I'm not happy with their beer selection. Second only to maybe El Tiempo. Yeah, I don't know. I've maybe. had them both places. I think El I'll Tiempo, go, I'll go Papacitos. I mean, yeah. is Lupe in the conversation? <laughs> uh, Lupe's good. I'm Lupe's a huge Lupe's good, Lupe but El Tiempo. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're there, and I uh, expressed once again, as I do every time I, I go, my disappointment with their beer selection. And they used to have a better beer selection before the pandemic. They paired it back during the pandemic, and they have not re-expanded it. And I said, I said to we had a very friendly waitress, and I said, 
I said, listen, um, tell your brev beverage manager that having one IPA and a Tapadillo, unacceptable. That, that's the equivalent <laughs> of, yeah, we have whiskey, we have Jack Daniels. Because I'm looking at their, uh, I'm looking at their, uh, their oh, spirit shelf, on. and they've got whiskeys everywhere, right? All kinds of different whiskeys. Maker's Mark. They've got, you know, uh, all kinds of different stuff. They need some of this, by the way. That would work really well in that, uh, really, really well in we that environment. We haven't tried that one yet. But, uh, oh, yeah. See, I was thinking this... that one. All right. Tell you what. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to do drinking news. And while we're doing drinking news, yep. maybe you can pour this. Because as we always say, drinking news is, generally speaking, is stories that are best enjoyed if you've been drinking. So, <laughs> I'm all over it. So we want to do that. And we will do it when we come back. Let's do it's it. It's Smoking and Toasting. That's sweet. Uh, you're listening to Smoking and Toasting. Thank you for joining us for show number 290. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And let me tell you something. This show, number 290, has us about 16 seventeenths of the way <laughs> to 300. Yeah, yeah. And so we're very excited. We also are excited by that sound. And I think Ian's going to make an exciting uh, sound here in a moment when he opens up uh, that, that sure. beer. But um, Which one are we going for first? Uh, let's do let's do the bourbon first. Let's let's have Sean pour that while we maybe have you I'm pick up that. pick up the ukulele and we'll do us a little drinking news. And uh, of course, you've been here for drinking news before, mm. so you know you know the rubs, right? You know what's about to happen. Uh, I'll try to remember the Thank line. Thank you, sir. There's a podcast all about cigars. Oh, <laughs> <and booze. laughs> he wrote it. No, let it go. And cigar reviews. Been the segment known around the world. It's drinking news. It's drinking news. It's what I love. Me and a Florida man and a bottle of rum. I pour another round. What do we got to lose? <laughs> Something about a gator. Yeah, no, <laughs> a, a, kang a kangaroo in this a case. Kangaroo, oh, kangaroo. Yes, he goes in boxes with a kangaroo. So, uh, so yeah, that's the one that our, our buddy Chris Morris did yes. for us. It's kind of our alternate drinking news theme song, and hadn't heard it in a while. It sounded fun to. Uh, that was perfect. Sound to hear it. Uh, 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 but my favorite line is still when he says, "God, I hope I don't end up on drinking news." <laughs> uh, well, here at Drinking News, we often say that our stories are sometimes, but not always, about drinking. But they always are best enjoyed when you've been drinking. Uh, well, guess what? Today's story is actually about drinking. So here we go. We certainly do our share of drinking here at Smoking and Toasting. Uh, and we probably don't often enough mention that we strongly and absolutely support responsible drinking. Yes, it's uh, responsible. Know when to say when. Do not try to drive if you are intoxicated. Today's drinking news story will be an object lesson in that very concept. 
people are pulled over for DUI every day in the United States, and there are plenty of stories about that that are in the news all the time, and they don't make it onto drinking news. Uh, we've actually done stories about people being stopped for DUI while, you know, like operating like a riding mower. Uh, and uh, there was even a story recently that I saw about a guy driving one of those enormous harvesting machines, you know, that have the big <laughs> wheel thing and turn over. There was and, also the one in the median with their bush on fire. Yes. Well, there was that. Yes. Uh, but this harvesting machine guy, he was knocking over fence posts and uh, people's mailboxes and uh, driving just generally erratically. So, uh, you know, that, that stuff happens. But occasionally something happens that's even more unusual than that. Like our story today of a Minnesota man who was arrested recently for driving while intoxicated. It wasn't a car, it wasn't a mower, and it wasn't a piece of farming equipment. The Minnesota man was arrested for DUI while driving his motorized Lazy Boy recliner chair to and from a <laughs> local bar. The very best part of the story is the description of the chair that he was driving. I never imagined I would say the chair that he was driving. Uh, police said the recliner was equipped with a lawnmower engine. There's a lawnmower again. A cup holder and a radio. And it also featured a headlight and, of course, a National Hot Rod Association bumper sticker. <laughs> so it's street legal is what you're saying. Police, <laughs> police pulled the man over after he drove the chair so erratically that he actually crashed it into a parked car. <laughs> How do you drive your chair into a parked car? Uh, we, unfortunately, <laughs> we unfortunately do not have video footage of the incident, but I can honestly tell you that I would pay good cash money to see that. I want to say, do they have a picture of the chair? I uh, know. I, unfortunately, we don't have a good picture of this. I was, uh, you know, um, I'll Google and see if I can get Adam something to put in the post that would be what a motorized chair would look like, maybe a drawing <laughs> or something, but uh, uh, we'll see. Officers arrested the man after reportedly telling him to step out of the chair with his hands up <laughs> and escorted him in the ostensibly less comfortable back seat of their patrol car to a holding cell. So, what have we learned here? Uh, well, first of all, We've learned that it's not a good idea to drive anything motorized, or for that matter, even a bike or especially a unicycle, if you've had too much to drink. <laughs> right, right. If you can't keep from crashing your chair into a parked car, you have definitely been overserved. <laughs> and on a personal I, I note, I can honestly say I've spent a lot of time in a recliner. Yeah. I've never crashed it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I want to know if he was reclined or if he was sitting up. Oh, oh right. Right. You know, That wasn't part of the report. This leaves a lot of questions. Yeah, it really it does. Just, <laughs> on a personal so note, questions. on a personal note, I will say that I have learned I've got to get me one of these lazy boy motorized <laughs> chairs. I could drive that baby to the bar, have as much as I want to drink, and then you know maybe I could count on my buddy Ian here to uh, be my designated chair driver to get me home safely yeah man we just we, you you put a you take your lazy boy chair and you, we put a little trailer hitch on it mm -hmm. i just take you home put hook you up to the back of the truck like let's go radio flyer yeah, or maybe yeah. i could just, <laughs> or maybe i could just uber home and ian could enjoy tooling around downtown houston in my souped up lazy boy cruise mobile <laughs> you know that'd be fine with me uh, reporting live from my sadly stationary recliner. My name is Cruz, and that is your drinking news, drinking news.
That's our time for drinking news. Something about a kangaroo. Cheers, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> oh, uh, well, that was fun. Uh, thank you for. Uh, you know, you remember? Hey. Uh, you remember? Was it like ten or fifteen years ago when people were driving these? They'd have these little uh, coolers with motors in them. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally, yeah. And I need to do a drinking news verse for our song with, with one of those. With a motorized cooler? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like a motorized cooler, man. Yeah. Well, I think it. if we think the beers and drinks he had before riding around in a recliner is bad, think of how many drinks it took while he was building it. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. You don't just. That's some you, garage sessions yeah. right there. That, <laughs> That's yeah. not an overnight project. No, no. How do you motorize? Like, you would have to put <sighs> wheels on it and everything. Like, it's not like the recliner chairs Dude, come with wheels. Let me tell you something. Northern Tool has such a selection of wheels and axles. And I know this because, well, frankly, every time I go into a store, I kind of mentally inventory the store. Yeah. I just walk up and down every aisle and, like, see what they have, you know. But yeah, they have a big selection of wheels and axles, so I could see you know that's Northern Tools where you're going to start. Okay, yeah, because that store is like one of everything. Yeah, and two and, of and them. electric motors <laughs> yeah. too. Like oddly, they have a lot of electric motors. They have explosion proof mm -hmm. fans. Explosion proof fans? Yes, yes, yes. I didn't know there was such a thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so how do they, they, how do they make them in a distillery? How do they make them? Oh, but you know them, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> how do they make them explosion proof? Like, just, they're so that? insulated that there's no sparking outside oh, whatsoever. Oh, gotcha, you know? gotcha. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah. you would need that in a distillery, wouldn't you? Yeah. Everything downstream of the still is explosion proof or powered by air. Yeah, buddy. Oh, wow. So I know this because uh, because uh, me and a friend of mine are building a spray booth for building guitars oh i thought you were gonna say for spray tans oh not a bad idea <laughs> yeah yeah not a bad it would probably work really well person gets into the booth naked you spray they're you know they're tanned all over not isn't a bad that, idea isn't that how spray tans work right and two years so. from now and you look a little a drinking orange. news story <laughs> yes, <there will. laughs> um i hope you like uh, uh chocolate and caramel yeah i do like chocolate and caramel because holy cow you know what else i like I like Fox and Seeker Family Farm Texas Terror Bourbon Single Whiskey Barrel or Single Barrel Whiskey. This one is vastly different from the previous one. It really yeah, is. It is. A different grain structure, same yeast, same distillation parameters. Okay, it's, I'm going to wind up on drinking news here. For uh, <laughs> He cracked a glass. This is barrel proof. The other one was 95 proof. This is 110 and a half-ish, um, straight out of the barrel, uncut, unfiltered. And uh, so this is delicious. Just under the oak months. that sits on the tongue after. Right. It's oakier definitely than the other one. Yeah. Um, and it's very oaky. It's not charred oak. It's like straight up like white oak, like mm -hmm. sawdust kind of um, in a good way. The the last one we use wheat as like what I call our accent grain. And uh, so this is corn, barley, and triticale, which is uh, a, a, a genetic hybrid of wheat and rye. Yeah. So it's its own grain. It, it does its own thing, but it's a genetic hybrid of those two grains grown in the panhandle of so, Mary Amarillo. I love this. I know all about triticale because the Star Trek episode, The Trouble with the Tribbles, the right. Tribbles got into the quadro triticale, and that was when they ate all of it and, and they expanded and you you know, are, took over the station. You are such a geek. I know. I, I really am. <laughs> but as a good friend of mine likes to say. Hey, all right, all right. As a geek, yeah, 
Galaxy Quest was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, Galaxy <laughs> Quest was pretty awesome. Yes, it was. And and as a good friend of mine likes to say, I may be a geek, but I'm a geek about cool stuff. <laughs> I wonder who said that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, wonder who that could have been. No, uh, but so so the mash bill on this is different from the mash bill Correct. In, in the first one, right? Other than the proof, that's the only difference. Okay. Yep. They this were. is fantastic. It really is. I like both of them. How old is this? Same, just under 11 months. Wow. So there's about a week difference between the two. They were dumped Are within you, days. You're Are making you? a whiskey this good in 11 months. In under a year. That was our, I, our goal when we started was to rock the boat a little bit. I can't wait to see what something like this would do. Well, I was just about to say, are you, like, freaking out over what this is going to be like at even three years? So, yes. Uh, well, I would say this This is the Triticale came out better than we expected. Uh, the, the, one, the one you just tried, we were very happy with. It came out as expected, I think, right. as, as an 11-month whiskey. Um, this came out better than expected. We have one right now in a traditional barrel that's about eight months along mm-hmm. that we just pulled a sample from same mash bill as this same yeast as this different type of barrel and it's coming along phenomenal i think we'll leave that one in year and a half two years to see what happens so uh, it's got to be a little bit frustrating to try to figure out you know so what do you do with this for example do you do it's you hold some of it back do you go ahead and too. do you go ahead and bottle all you've got when it's this good it's like how do you how do you make those decisions yeah and you know part of what we're doing at being grain to glass and and really a ground up operation um we're taking a whole bunch of feedback from these first two barrels hmm. and and really listening to the market see what they tell us and if we get a bunch of positive feedback with us then how much why is this mess bottle? With it? $45, it's five bucks guess more. I'm driving up to the uh, barrel, driving up to the distillery. distillery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. everybody where your distillery is, by the way, Northeast Houston near Bush Intercontinental. We're okay. right at Bell Wait and 59. So they can they can uh, Google map you or uh, Google or map Apple Fox map and Seeker. Yep, and mm-hmm. we'll pop right up and you can come by any Saturday, 10 to 3. We're open, um, or just email us. And uh, and it'll come to me, and it can be. We'll set up a time during the week if Saturdays nice. don't work. Nice. But I got Sundays the N. I have his phone number. Hmm? I said I've got the N. I have his phone number. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you, yeah, so you, no, this is really really good. Now, now I enjoyed the first one, but I have to say, uh, this one really is to my palate. I'm getting not only all the things you talked about, but there's a definite cinnamon buzz going on mm-hmm. there too. So the, I really like the coolest thing about Triticale, uh is during distillation, it smells like a cinnamon stick in the distillery. Oh, I it's bet it's unreal. And cool. when when we put it in the barrel after a couple months, the cinnamon went away, and I was devastated. Oh well, it's here devastated. now. Devastated. It's oh, here it's, now. No, it's definitely in there. And it came back, and even mm-hmm. better when when this is used in an old fashioned recipe. Oh, the cin- the cinnamon good. just explodes. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Good. Like this is sweet too. This is almost like mm-hmm. a churro or like a like that kind of sweet. That cinnamon with with that sugar kind of and some spices mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. Like, oddly enough, what I get on this on the palate is strawberries. They're like a bright fruit kind of jumps out. It's really strange. I, I, I know what you're talking that. about though. It's right at the very top of mm-hmm. the flavor profile, and and you, what you were talking about, Ian, with the. Uh, Cinnamon and sugar reminds me when I was a kid, my mom used to make cinnamon toast. 
and it was bread yeah, yeah, yeah. with butter, and you put cinnamon and mm-hmm. sugar on uh-huh. it, and then you put it in the oven to toast it. I literally and had that this morning. The, uh, <laughs> nice. So that so that is what this reminds me of that that cinnamon I, and sweetness. I'm just thinking like with this right here with the base flavor of this, you could literally make a mixed drink and call it a churro, and it would be amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. With this is the Explain base flavor. Yeah, churro to me. You never had churros before. No. That's the little. So have you ever cinnamon. been to like a state fair or rodeo or anything like that? That's the little the fried cinnamon stick. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, Mexican okay. Following kind of I was oh. I was in cocktail world and oh, like, well, you can make, a, no, no, you can make yeah. like a cocktail called gotcha. a churro. And also, everything. churro is a Mexican wrestler with a really scary mask and a cape. <laughs> True, he's badass. I want two cents from everyone you sell. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> now I'm telling you, this is this is really wonderful. And what did you say the, this sells for again? At the forty four ninety nine or ninety five. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Okay, uh, I think I am blown away by that one. This we've one is great. Here. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. That is something special. Something special. Something indeed. beyond. Speaking of something special, we have to get to this Firestone Walker beer. Uh, because this looks like it could be something special as well. Um, it is the Velvet Merkin 2016 from Firestone Walker 2016. This is an old beer. Are we doing this now? You don't you don't age beers, generally speaking, the same way that you age uh, was it a, spirits. I was at a bar last night, and I uh, mentioned... Uh, no, you're kidding. Really? <laughs> I mean, a friend of mine was at a bar. Yes, exactly. That's how you do it. And he told me this story. And I and I asked him, I was like, hey, do you have the uh, the buried hatchet? Because they always had buried hatchet at that bar. I was like, no, man, uh, it didn't sell really well. We didn't really want to have old beer. I was like, if you were ever going to have an old beer. That's the one to have, <laughs> yeah. Like, buried hatchet ages great. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, you want to sell your IPAs and your lagers and stuff quick, fresh, mm-hmm. but buried hatchet, man, if it's four years old, you might get to a turning point. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, are we cracking this now, or are we waiting for next segment? Let's do it. Next segment is a short one, so we might need time on this is what I'm thinking. All right, so while we're in a tall segment, I'll go ahead and pour it. All right, that sounds good. And um, can you pick this up at a store, H-E-B? Uh, I, I'm not sure about H-E-B. Um, I believe you can get it at... Uh, Specs or maybe like a total wine. Um, we try to, we try to do stuff on the show that you can actually physically get somewhere. That's partially because we are, uh, we are sort of the anti Chris. We're, we're Hart. not Chris Hart. Yeah, we're sort of the anti Chris Hart, uh, who we love, by the way. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, every time I've ever gone on his show, we taste some really delicious things that you can't buy anywhere. Um, and uh, and so we try to make it uh, about things. Firestone Walker, for sure. These guys put this out on a regular basis, and this is something that, well, I'm just gonna say, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. The versions of this I've tried before. So, so uh, the 2016 Velvet Merkin. Uh, let's see, I have 25 IBUs, 4,000 cases produced. Yeah, blueberry, like crazy. Mm-hmm. British ale yeast. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. Adam Firestone. There's quite a bit on the box, yeah, too. The Surgeon uh, General's over here. Yeah. The uh, yeah. store at 40, serve at 55. 
Look on the back of the box, Ian, if you're looking for details. You're, maybe you're kind about of bossy the there, buddy. Yeah, I'm just saying. I looked at it earlier, and I didn't I was going to say you're not reading. the boss of me, but, you know, in this case, you might be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but I, I don't want you to read the whole thing before we sample, because I don't know if yeah, I can wait that chapters long. on that. Since founding our brewery in 1996, we've specialized in the rare art of fermenting beer in oak barrels. In the fall of 2006, we embarked on a program to barrel age a series of vintage strong ales that would later be used as components of a blended beer. That blend would become our first anniversary ale, 10. Pause for a sip. Dude. Oh. After the release of 10, we released limited amounts of the component beers draft only. Uh, many of these beers gained a cult following, and the craft beer fans raved about it and begged for us to put it in a bottle. Uh, Velvet Merkin was one of these beers. Mm. Velvet Merkin is the beer that almost wasn't, at least in name. After all, it's not our style to conceive uh, monikers that are confounding, scandalous, or comical. But in this instance, we inadvertently uh, achieved all three with Velvet Merkin, and so the name went off the grid for several years. But now it's back due to popular demand. If we get asked, we'll say it's all your fault. Mm. Once in a glass, however, Velvet Merkin is dead serious. Pausing for a dramatic effect and a sip. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, the decadent oatmeal stout holds your nose uh, hostage with chocolate and vanilla bourbon aromas. Rich flavors of dark chocolate truffle, bourbon, and espresso ultimately yield a beer that is dangerously smooth and incredibly drinkable. I'm going to agree with that. Because mm -hmm. holy cow this is good oh sorry holy cacao <laughs> oh i see what you did there <laughs> I love it. thank you velvet merkin is a one-of-a-kind sipping stout that is built to last and will reward careful aging for years to come uh hoarding tendencies may occur so i'm gonna laugh because my buddy adam probably if you look at his collection of velvet merkin probably has somewhere in a neighborhood of 20 of these Ooh. in his uh cold room so he has a cold room. He bought a house. And he's got this extra little office. And I'm using office in air quotes, so I mm -hmm. hope you can hear those. Mm -hmm. Yes. So this extra little office that he bought uh, a couple ACs for. And it's filled with shelves that he just lines with beer. Now, Adam's been on the show before, actually. Mm -hmm. He uh, he came through uh, came through from California and brought us a bunch of beers from California. And, and New Mexico. Uh, and New yes. Mexico, yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is one of the rooms in his house, in his garage now, is just air-conditioned all to hell. So it's not cold, right? but it's cold. But yeah, I got you, yeah. It's not totally refrigerated, but it's pretty darn cold in there, and that's where he stores all his beer. It's kind of like a cellar, you know? And I bet he has probably 20 bottles of that. Uh, mm -hmm. not, not necessarily all the same year, but all the different iterations of Velvet Merkin. Like, wow. I mean, he's a Firestone Walker fan. Aficionado, yeah. yeah. Well, well, this is this really is damn good. Man, the, uh, the 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 dark fruity uh, like like a uh, uh, date mm -hmm. like raisiny date kind of thing going on raisin so date good. plum it's all there yeah. plum that's what I was looking yeah. for I dark. get blueberry crazy on the nose and then all the stuff you just mentioned I can see on the that. palate I'm really curious now to go back to the bourbon after this. Uh, <laughs> try that myself see what happens this is becoming a theme well we like to do this man, yeah. pairing pairing uh whiskey and beer is good stuff Ooh, what does it do well chocolate well, it changes the nose a little bit chocolate becomes the watchword now yeah 
Oh, how does it how does it accentuate the chocolate instead of negating it? No, it totally pulls it out. It's like a no. I would have. You're I would on the train because to this is so chocolatey. I would yeah. have assumed that it would have actually negated the chocolate. Right, but the that's not what happens. Bourbon, but it turns it into the uh, the chocolate train. It's weird on the last one, the IPA and the the sweetness of the grains complemented, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this they're both sweet, like on the sweeter side. It's still, but neither one neg- uh, right. negates the other one out. Like if you've ever had a Snickers and then a Coke afterwards, and it just tastes like seltzer water, you know, yep. mm-hmm. it's not like that. It's not doing that. It's not masking. And right. the ABV on this is a uh, big, probably dangerously high because it's <laughs> big, eight and a half. So not not and as big as I thought it was at first, but still pretty big. Yeah, this is it's good. This is good. Yeah, it's real good. It goes really good with this too. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty yeah. impressed with all of it. And really, everything we've had here today mm. is really good. Um, the only thing we're really missing. Speaking of burnt toast, we talked about burnt, like the bready and toasty. This has a burnt toast on kind the nose too. Well, kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a charred toast, kind of like when you, thing, when you yeah. go to scrape it off because it's a little too burnt, you know. Mm-hmm. But you already buttered it. See, so. my mom used to do that. The most burnt piece of toast she would take for herself, and she would scrape the burned off. Oh, yeah, that was my mom. Um, the only thing that could maybe make this better, I think, this combination, this this fusion of flavor and taste that we're having right now, is if we maybe had some beer made from recycled toilet water to uh, to <laughs> throw into the mix. In Singapore, filled with nutrients, they're digging it. Helps fermentation. New brew. With N E W capitalized and then brew, uh, is no ordinary beer. It's a Singapore blonde ale, and it is in fact made with recycled sewage. I'm not kidding. The alcoholic beverage is a collaboration between the country's National Water Agency, which interestingly enough is called Pub. It's the initials P U B. Pub. This this literally sounds like a setup. Yeah, and to a bad like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, like Kung Fu flick. It does, doesn't it? Uh, with a karaoke uh, spot in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> and local, uh, so the water agency pub and local craft brewery Brewworks, which is B-R-E-W-E-R-K-Z, Brewworks. It was first unveiled at a water conference in 2018, and then New Brew went on sale in supermarkets and Brewworks outlets uh, this April. I... <laughs> This is so good. Uh, Chu Wei Leon, who is 58 years old, said, I seriously couldn't tell this was made of toilet water. I don't mind having it if it was in the fridge. I mean, it tastes just like beer, and I like beer. (laughs) Well, he's very articulate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't mind if it's been in the fridge. I seriously couldn't tell. This, This is your... Criteria for your beer is I seriously couldn't tell it was made with toilet water. Mm. You know? When that's your so, top, top review on Yelp. So let's, uh, yeah, let's, right. let's take some bets here on how long it's going to take Anheuser InBev to buy that company. Oh, God. You're, you're so right. You're so right. Uh, but they already have kind and of a toilet and water start beer, using so. their, their <laughs> Let's start using their new technology. Yeah, in their beers, and then they'll have come listen. out with some kind of like new can. Listen, I'm all, like the Vortex can. I'm all about recycling, but I think you got to draw the line somewhere. 
You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm really getting. That's at. recycled beer. Yeah. Becoming beer. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So you know Soylent beer. Soylent beer. It's beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that thing about like, you know, you can always tell when you've been out drinking beer because you have to you have to pee. Well, if they find a way to turn that pee back into beer, I suppose that the people in Singapore will. I like mean, that's just that I, makes I you know. that I makes know. you pitcher and catcher at some point, right? right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, if you're trapped on Mars or a desert island, I get it. This some is this is maybe might, good information. This might be good information for you at that point, but uh, yeah, uh, 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 I got I got a half a bottle of uh, Velvet Merkin sitting here. I don't need to go for recycled sewage. You You've got a little less than half a bottle of Velvet yeah, well, Merkin here. Uh, uh, I understand this. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, we're going to take a break and come back and wrap the show up. Thank you to uh, everybody for uh, being so kind and being a part of this here. Yes, yes, put that cup up there. Uh, we're smoking and toasting, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back into Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Our guest is Sean Anger uh, from Fox and Seeker, and they have now branched out into uh, whiskey, and they've done a damn fine job of it, if I do say so myself. I cannot myself. believe that the, the youth of this whiskey, the youths, uh, the youth of this whiskey. This, this whiskey is complain about the youth. <laughs> the youths <laughs> the of youths. today. Uh, the youth of this whiskey is. This is under a year old. Each one of these and the flavor profiles are so pronounced and so good. There's a little heat that you get that I think that 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 once you leave it in there, obviously is going to start. Uh, once you leave it in there for a little longer, is going to mellow out that kind of thing. But at under a year, this is amazing. Like especially the second one. Age is important, but it's not everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I mean, you've made ingredient. a great whiskey, and this is this is crazy because at uh, at less than a year, I've had whiskeys that are aged six, seven years that aren't nearly as refined and as good. as It's that. funny you say six, seven because we blind tasted this on some people, and we've had bottles pulled out that are six and seven years age. They're like tastes like this, and then we tell them it's less than eleven months and. Just freak the out. The reactions a bit. are crazy. Yeah. 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 That's that's pretty amazing. Uh and, and both of these are, are respectably very nice. This one was the first one we tried was uh like kind of the vanilla caramel and cinnamon bomb. The second one was the chocolate and cinnamon. That's the one I'll go for at forty five dollars for that particular bottle. Mm -hmm. I will be in there buying that. Mm. Sure. I, I, I... Oh, damn it. We lost cruise. Uh well, you know, I was just online, I was bidding on uh, a cask of uh, whiskey, and um, I'll be damned if a guy didn't beat my bid and win it with $19 million. It's $1 off. What yeah. sucks is uh, he only beat your your bid by, you know, $19 million. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, in fairness, he beat it by $18 million. Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars. It's always good to be the first yeah, bid. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Can't believe you beat my bid. No, this actually is true. A uh, a cask of Ardbeg uh, whiskey from nineteen seventy-five 
Um, it's single malt. It so it's went a, for it, well, hold on. So it's a cask, not a bottle. It's a cask. Yeah, it's not a bottle. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so I was under the impression it was a bottle earlier. I was like, yeah, no. no. But, but, well, yeah. but so still, that means that if still, someone pours me a it's shot, a cask, it's not $775,000 worth of shot. It's only $770,000 worth right. of shot. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. I just want you know. I just want to make you know. Yeah. I want to know what we're getting. We're Price to quality, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that, that moves it from a five to maybe. Uh, doesn't it? Doesn't it start to make forty five dollars for that bottle of uh, Fox and Secret? Sound amazing. really, really good. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, so, it's no. it's so funny. I don't know how like the beers and the whiskeys have paired up so well, but they're they really have. pretty fantastic mm. today. Well, I have a feeling these whiskeys will pair really well. I, mean, I, I would be very interested to pair a cigar with these Well, I was well. about to say, let me ask you a question. What cigar would you pair with each whiskey, just knowing what you know now? With the first whiskey, I would probably go with something medium-bodied, maybe... Uh, but but maybe a little spicy, maybe like a Cameroon uh, selection uh, from, you know, of course, I'm going to fall back on what I like to smoke. But yeah, like yeah. A.J. Fernandez has a Cameroon uh, wrapper uh, selection, New World, that's really, really would go, I think, nicely with that spice. And then for the uh, for the big one, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking the uh, Oliva Melania. Oliva Melania would be because the chocolate, yeah, you know, the the chocolatey uh, goodness of that cigar, kind of overlaid with that with that whiskey. I'm gonna go three point uh, three price points on this one. Okay, I'm gonna say um, on the lower price point, I'm gonna say the Siri R Maduro, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which would go fantastically. Uh, it has a little bit of hay in it, which I think would bring out. Some of the lighter flavors, like you said, you you taste strawberry, kind of a bright right, right, flavor. Yeah. I think it would bring out some of that. I would go. I'm going to agree with you in the middle price range on that uh, on that uh, Milano. Uh, that's going to be a fantastic cigar with this. But I would also go one level up from this, and that 45th anniversary. That. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful 45th anniversary. So good. This is so good. Like, I want to try that with this whiskey. <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's the should, Arturo we should, Fuente. We should do that. We should do that. <laughs> of course. Just so you know, that's a $30 plus uh, cigar. I know. I know. But Are all of these cigars it. accessible? Yes. You can yeah, okay. literally walk into almost any shop. So, the first cigar I talked about is probably going to be $7 yeah. ish. The second cigar we talked about is going to be 12 and then the uh, the Fuente uh, 45th anniversary is going to be 30 to 35 depending on where you buy it. You know, what else could be good with that is the, uh, the AJ uh, Nicaraguan um, Ooh. Uh, 185. Is it 185? Am I getting that right? The 180? Uh, no, the, the 135. The 135. Yes, That's yes, the one sorry. I was thinking of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that just those chocolate notes and the way it like picks up the earth and that would just really be... Very, very good together. So, um, well, Sean Anger from uh, Fox and Seeker, we love having you on the show. Thank you so much. Not just because you bring uh, wonderful spirits, but uh, you're kind of fun to hang out with. So, oh, appreciate it. We, Thank you for having uh, me. We appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. And I know we had to reschedule once, so I'm glad we were able to get you back here. And I'm glad we opened such a good uh, good bottle of uh, oatmeal stout while you were here, too. That was a lot, that was a lot of fun. Delicious. Um, so, real quick. 
next for Fox and Seeker? Is your next, um, you know, sort of plan, evil plan for world domination? Uh, is it about getting these onto store shelves? Is it about your next uh, concoction, your next juice? What uh, What is next for you guys? Yeah, so our next uh, is really spreading out our gins, uh, getting mm -hmm. a broader market presence, and then launching our whiskey pipeline. So we are laying down barrels all fall, all winter, is it getting, in anticipation of 2023, 2024. Is it getting harder and harder to get shelf space at uh, spirit and liquor stores just because of the proliferation of, uh, of brands? Um, it's always hard. Right. I'll just start with that. It's always hard. The pandemic made it really hard when we mm, launched uh, because yeah, yeah. that's where everyone wanted to be. Uh, right, bars right. and restaurants weren't open. They so. were closed, yeah, for sure. And uh, but it, it has uh, it has opened up slightly. Um, as as mm. weird as it sounds, um, Russia, Ukraine, kind of helped with that. Meaning all the Russian all products. the Russian vodka didn't come over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, but I mean, that's mostly a clear spirits uh, mm -hmm. situation, but. I mean, the reality of it is, is uh, this is a relationship business, and we're in the we're in the business of of bringing the best flavors out of oh. Texas farms and bring them to the table at home. So it is great fun and really fun to uh, uh, to be able to sample these with you. So thank you so much for bringing them in. Yeah, thanks we appreciate for it. Me. Uh, all right, we are going to uh, wrap this baby up and tell you uh, thank you again for being here and thank you guys for listening. We're only 10 episodes away from number 300, which means we got to start planning something, Ian. I mean, what do you say we just get a We're bunch like 3574 of, 75, of the way. What do you say we just get a bunch of people together and smoke and drink? Sounds like a good idea. All right. We'll work Are on you that. you join us on that? Have a great week. I'll be here. Have a great week. Thank you for being here, and uh, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Good to you. <laughs> Why is mine always empty when we do the final toast? Whatever happens, don't leave it so soon. It's all right when it's okay.